Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Hey, on this really scorchingly hot day, it's nice to be in the basement of the legislature. Nice and cool down here. It is very cool, and I encourage people to take care out You're there. You're a cool guy. The weather, <laughs> the weather heats <laughs> up, man. It's getting real hot in the interior, too. It's interesting. This building, ancient building, 1898, it opened the third floor. I mean, talking to staff up there, it's it just cooks up. It's there. hot up it there. It gets really hot. Yeah. But because it's a stone building, it yeah. actually is a pretty cool building on the ground floor in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. We're now paying attention to our building um, materials. I My office is in the Army, an old brick building, one of the few brick buildings in Victoria. What's it's, it like in there? It's not bad. Yeah. On the second floor, you go up one more floor where, the, where they do training, it gets really stuffy. Yeah. Yeah. Really hot. Yeah. Okay. We'll be talking about that a little later on the show. Um, we, last week, we talked about Pierre Polyev, the conservative leader. Another poll out showing him with a, with a pretty good lead here yeah. over Justin Trudeau. And the efforts to kind of soften his image, like he lost the glasses, he's kind of dressing more casual. So this is clear kind of image makeover for, for Polyev, right? Now, you've got this big ad buy here by the federal conservative party yeah i mean this is a huge ad campaign i was watching the bc lions game on the weekend and a pierre polyev ad came up it, it was actually this ad let's play a listen to this this is from the federal conservative party polyev ad who is pierre polyev his children know him in francais espanol and english as papa <laughs> and i know him as a guy who loves me for who i am a canadian who came to call Canada home, and his wife. Okay, so that's, of course, his so wife speaking. That's 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 a good ad. You've seen the, the TV ad. It's, visually, it's a very effective ad. Yes, it's, yes. Uh, these are good ads. Yeah. Um, it's curious they're buying, making this massive media buy in August, mm. because August is the time, if you just look at all the stats right across the board, is the least amount of media consumption. People are tuned out. People are tuned out, yeah. of, uh, and they just don't watch as much television. They don't listen to as much radio. They're not rushing home to read the paper. They're out, they're out on vacation. <laughs> or they're turned out. They put their, you know, they just want to be away from things. So August is a curious time to have a massive ad buy, but it is an effective ad. He's got another video out of um, one. Of, he likes to put these videos out, uh, pointing out to his father's apartment in oh. Calgary, where he lived when he went to university, and pointing out there's a transit station right down the sidewalk. And oh. so he'd rush out and jump on the transit station and study before an exam as he went into university. And he points out he would make it require, and he said this before. Uh, housing density around transit stations, which is yeah. the case in a number of jurisdictions around the world. It makes perfect sense. And you're, you're going to see other political parties adopt that as a, as a policy. In fact, yeah. the NDP is pretty close to having that in British Columbia. Um, so these are all effective ads. But then you contrast that to now he's picked a fight with Canadian press because they had the audacity to publish a story quoting him in his summertime speeches, attacking the World Economic Forum, talking about the Trudeau government bringing in mandatory digital IDs, which they're not going to do. So it's sort of two steps forward, one step back. Why he insists on still clinging to these conspiracy theory-type issues at the time when he's trying to soften his image is kind of contradictory. But okay, you know, so the, I think the, the Cana- campaign's pretty effective. The Canadian press story was about how he's hitting on these kind of conspiracy theory kind of talking points about new world order and global government and globalism and and the world economic forum so you know this was kind of red meat for him when he was running for the conservative party leadership and then after he won he started thinking like okay now does he kind of stop talking about that kind of more sort of fringe appeal stuff and start talking about more centrist moderate you know broad-based talking points as brian mulroney well yeah and the other thing is, I mean, he's, 
you'd figure he wants to start looking prime ministerial. Right. Which means rising above the fray. So going on Twitter and picking a fight with and denouncing Canadian press as being an, a tool of the CBC is just like, what's the point of that? that? That's not what a prime minister does. You know, if you want to be a leader, be a leader. And oh, he's know, promised so, to defund the CBC. And I guess he says that what CBC is a major client of the Canadian press, where I used to work for eight years at CP. Well, so is so is the Vancouver Sun. Yeah, so is I mean, media. So right, is all sure. media. And the media funds CP. It used to be a CP wire boy, we used yes. to call you in, yes. the, in the legislature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Canadian press is basically a news co-op. Yeah, uh, it's not owned by the CBC or run by the CBC, despite what Mr. Poliev has to say on. And it, you know, his his defunding the CBC. I mean, that's been a red meat issue for the Tories for some time. Sure. I, mean, Stephen I don't think he's going to back away from that. I'm not sure he's going to. Well, you know, here I am working for a competitor. We work for the competitors of the CBC. What drives us crazy, I think, in the media land is not necessarily a subsidy. I think you can argue there is a need for a state broadcaster, particularly in some of the outlying regions of Canada where they don't have access to a lot of media, but they do have access to CBC radio. What I think drives private sector media a little crazy is they get this huge subsidy and then they put all their yeah. money into digital and and buy and basically take advertising away from the private sector. Yes. But that's a different argument. You know, whatever. That's been an argument that's been around for a while. It's this delving into the this new era of, you know, global globalists, um, the gatekeepers, the you know, World Economic Forum, this dark conspiracy theory. That's different. And that is in stunning contrast to his attempt to remake his image, which, again, I think these are effective ads, but it can be undone by this other type of messaging. OK, we watch that with, with great interest here going forward. Let's talk about the uh, the anniversary now, 40 years, right? Operation Solidarity. Yes. Now, this was a coming together of the, like all the unions, labor organizations in British Columbia. And in community op- groups. And a lot of other community groups as well in opposition to the, the B.C. government of the day, Bill Bennett social credit government, the restraint agenda by that government at the time. And it was really... Now, you covered it, right? You were on the front line. in the middle of it. Yeah, you are right in the middle. Let's go... Okay, let's go back in time here now. So let's listen to one of the major union leaders of, of the day here. It's 1983, Jack Monroe, the head of the International Woodworkers. Have a listen. We do not want our province to continue down this road, and we sure as hell are dedicated to make sure that a satisfactory resolution to our problems comes out of this government and the private sector is prepared when called upon to do its part. Your thoughts? No, Jack Monroe, it's rare, that's a rare audio clip, and that, there was only one curse word there. <laughs> Usually <laughs> yeah. expletive deleted all the way through. Yes. So this was an amazing time. A lot of British Columbians don't remember this. This is 40 years ago. The province, the province basically almost came to a complete stop. Yeah. Over So the, the social credit government, 82, brought in a restraint program, ran on a restraint in the 83 election, won the election, Largely on the NDP opposing wage controls for civil servants. And wage controls in the neighborhood of 11%, by the way. Um, then after the election, they drop a budget that goes way beyond a lot, what a lot of people thought in terms of restraint. The, the fire, the power, a bill that gave the government the, the power to fire people without cause. Closing things like the rentalsman's office, human rights branch, uh, just really all sorts of things in the name of restraint. It spawned this huge protest movement. Organized labor, but also this is the Solidarity Coalition. Yes. And that was labor and community activist groups. And there was an inner tension there. And I worked for the Solidarity Times newspaper, which was funded by what the was that? So It was a weekly, cheeky paper that was pro solidarity, um, but also straddling the balance between labor and community groups. And there was a tension there. The community groups didn't really have a lot of. Um, 
uh, skin in the game. It was the labor side that was paying the price with strikes and lost paychecks. And that tension basically broiled over the summer and built and built until almost the call for a general strike, which as a young journalist, I thought, this is crazy. We're never going to get there. The whole thing blew up, fell apart, and you heard Jack Monroe there, the leader of the Forest Union, IWA, flew to Kelowna, brokered a deal with Bill Bennett, and basically that was it. It infuriated the community groups who thought they were left with the short end of the stick and got nothing out of it, but it uh, preserved labor peace and got everyone back to work and averted what could have been uh, literally a general strike, but it was an amazing time in B.C. history. Forty years ago. I think we'll be talking about it several times between now and the fall when everything came together in November. Yeah. Yeah, 40 years ago, it was all really coming to a head in B.C. So get set, call me on that with your memories. If you remember that period, I'd love to hear from you. Okay, let's finish up with uh, south of the border. Uh, pre- Donald Trump running for the Republican nomination for president continues to lead in the polls, facing another possible in- indictment here, ver- expected. And let's listen to Chris Christie here, okay? So the, the former Republican governor of New Jersey, one of his opponents, uh, let's listen to Christie here going after Trump. If he's indicted in Atlanta this week, as we're anticipating that he will be, we will have the front runner for the Republican nomination for president out on bail in four different jurisdictions. When are we going to stop pretending that this is normal? Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, it's just it's amazing to watch this. Yeah. I mean, Donald Trump is literally disintegrating on Twitter every day. He posts well, not on all- Twitter. He's on his own Truth Social. Well, platform. Truth Social and Twitter. He's on Twitter too. Yeah. Okay. And he posts these all caps denunciations of the judge. Yeah. Uh, now he's warning a witness not to testify. Mm-hmm. People are wading in. Prominent Americans saying this is witness intimidation. Um, is he going to get rung up for like? Uh, in- well, he's infuriating. A couple of these judges are pretty tough. Judges. Contempt of court. Yeah, I, I think he's in real danger of uh, of being hauled in front of a judge and told that's it. But he keeps saying that every time one of these indictments comes down, he says this is a badge of honor, and he seems to yep. and his his supporters seem to lap it up, and he seems to go up in the polls. You know, so. every day I open my email every morning, and I've got a ton of emails from a whole bunch of because I'm a political reporter, and so are you. We get on mailing lists, and they're traded back and forth. And I'll tell you. The American right has all of us on these these mailing lists, and I get emails from about a dozen significantly right wing organizations who who are crowing about this. That they think this is great. That, that Trump is the victim of a conspiracy. That this is a yeah. Biden led justice. So it plays well to that small, well, significant faction of the Republican Party, which, by the way, seems to be shedding supporters. Now, the latest Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski yesterday saying that's enough. We're done with Trump. Mm. The latest American, but it's not, as you say, he continues to have a significant lead within the party when it comes to What happens if he wins this nomination? I know. Uncharted territory. I mean, there's conservative academics have published a paper, a couple of them saying that there's a section of the Constitution which would prevent him from holding office. But again, if he's what, if he's indicted or in jail or he's indicted. Um, So he's going to be face his fourth indictment this week, again, related to his attempt to overturn the Georgia election. I've said all along, Georgia's his big problem. It's not the hush money to the porn star. It's what happened in Georgia. Mm. But again, we'll see. I mean, this is uncharted territory. Some of these, yeah. some of these um, uh, statutes that are being used to fix an indictment, Jack Smith, a couple of them haven't been used for like 100 years. So there is some obscure legal stuff going on here. It's Baldry, Baldry's Beat. Let's go right to your phone calls here. We got... Um... Uh, Michael in Richmond. Hi, Michael. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. 
Hey, look, I, I missed what you guys were talking about because I was doing a delivery, but I jumped in the in the truck and, and, and heard that you guys uh, had talked about Trump. So I just want to say that, you know, like, I, I, I hope that Trump become, becomes president again. I think that uh, what's happening down in the States is like a political witch hunt. And, like, I'm not saying that he's not guilty about what he did. It just seems that they're just going after him and not anybody else. I just think, I think that there's... There's skeletons in the closets that that uh, belong to Pelosi's and Clintons, and I don't I know about Bahamas, but or, or Bahamas or Obama, but for sure those two families, the other two. And then in regards to Pierre Polyev, I hope he becomes Prime Minister of Canada too. So, uh, yeah, I just think that Trudeau has has uh, done a poor job, and we're at the at the point now where you know our interest rates are high, our mortgage rates, our mortgages are high, and our our rent is through the roof as well not only to mention the cost of food. So hopefully okay. we can get uh, North America back on the track of conservatives and, and Republicans. Have a good day. Michael, Michael, thank you for the call. Well, a lot of those talking points are precisely what Trump's Trump supporters are saying, right? This is, yeah, this this is, is a witch conser- hunt. This is not conservatism that Trump espouses. I mean, I think you can argue there's an authoritarianism associated with this. There's now this video of Matt Gates and him talking about um, the required use of force to take control. So these are not conservatives. This is sort of an authoritarian, um, neo-fascistic group of people who have taken over the Republican Party. This is not conservatism. You know, you well, don't the see other, Brian the Mulroney thing. or Stephen, even Stephen Harper or other prominent conservatives backing Donald Trump. And you see a conservatives in the United States walking away from Trump. There's yeah. now this very right-wing, anti-democratic group in the Republican Party and the caller talks about a witch hunt and stuff. There's no evidence to back. I mean, he throws Obama's name in there as somehow equivalent to Trump. In terms, yeah. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing that I'm trying to figure out, though, is how is this sustainable for Trump? Like, you know, you heard Chris Christie say he's on he's, he's going to be on pro. He's going to be out on bail in four different jurisdictions and all these charges. He's got this packed schedule of court cases coming up. How can he possibly campaign, and how can he be allowed to run? Well, the if other, other question is about his health. So on the weekend, he attended the Iowa State Fair. He left after half an hour. Yeah. Reports were he wasn't feeling well. He was in ill health. He's 77 years old. He's overweight. He's diabetic. Well, Biden's old, too. But Biden right. works out. So the, me, the me, well, Yeah, he goes for okay. runs. I mean, the media con- focuses on Biden's health, as they should. Yeah. should definitely focus on, but why not focus on Trump's health? Okay. It's not D- like he's a clean young, energetic guy. Yeah. He is an old guy who has trouble walking. Daryl in Coquitlam. Hi, Daryl. Go ahead. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. You know, you can have all the slick ads uh, that Pierre Polyev has, and in reality, he's not a progressive conservative. He's very far right-wing. I want to know what his policies are on gun control, women's mm. reproductive rights. Uh, what will he do to the uh, dental care program for low-income? What will mm-hmm. he do on child care for low-income, uh, on uh, firearms, especially that are plaguing the big cities of Canada? You know, I understand the listeners who don't like Justin Trudeau. A lot of times I don't like him either. Now, as far as Stephen Harper goes, that man wants the conservatives in Canada to be farther right. He even went to Hungary and met with the president, uh, the Hungarian president, Mm -hmm. Oban, who's almost a dictator, followed up by a media. Sorry to step on you, yeah, but out of time. Points, I mean, the pressure is going to be on poll. If, you know, slick ads are one thing, policies are different, another thing, and the pressure will be on. We're still well away from the next vote. We don't know who his opponent's going to be, likely Trudeau, but maybe not. And the pressure is going to be on to put some meat on the bone when it comes to policies, such as the ones Daryl outlined. 